Welcome to Bridging Chicago, a podcast that aims to connect our listeners to Chicago's business, community, cultural, and charity leaders. Brought to you by SATC Solution Center, L3C. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Bridging Chicago. I am Savannah Roundtree, the law clerk here at SATC Law, and joining me today, we have Tom Egan. Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. Happy to be here. Thank you. Tom is a wealth management advisor at Vester Capital, LLC, and um, as always, we'll eventually get into that. But first... um, So I was doing my research on your background and sort of unusual for our podcast. um, I saw that you got your bachelor's degree from the University of Denver and then um, you got your MBA from DePaul. And so are you originally from the Colorado area or was that like moving away? I'm originally originally from Chicago. I grew up about six miles south here in Bridgeport and wanted to go away for school and see a little bit more than just the south side of the city. So Sure. Was there anything specifically that drew you to Denver, Colorado? I just knew it would be a lot different, a whole different way of life, and I thought that was part of the college experience, so yeah. I applied and got in. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I also went to um, a school in the mountains. I went to Appalachian State in North oh, okay. Carolina. So then you came back to Chicago, went to DePaul. Eventually, right. right. Yeah. Uh, about a 10-year gap, I think, maybe oh, nine really? or 10 years between the two degrees. Were you doing, um, like, banking, wealth management work in between those 10 years? No, I, I started out my career as a financial analyst okay. and uh, knew that that was relatively limiting, so I went back to school for the MBA. You went to get your MBA specifically to sort of get more involvement? More in, knowledge. Yeah. I got an MBA in finance, so I was a business management undergraduate, so that's a relatively mm-hmm. generic or general background. Mm-hmm. So I knew I wanted to get more into financial work and ideally more real money mm-hmm. analysis. So yeah. I went back to school for that degree. Yeah, I always think it's best when people go back to grad school with like a specific thing in mind, because I know a lot of people that just go directly to grad school right. from undergrad, and I think it's really helpful to have some life experience before totally you agree. do that. Yeah. I think schools are looking for more of that these days, too. Yeah, um, I'm currently in law school, and I took a break in between um, going to undergrad as well, and there's definitely a difference you can tell between the people that are like 22 and the people that um, you know have lived a little bit. Um, and so then you got directly into portfolio management. No, that was a, it was a journey to get there. Oh, really? So uh, first 10 years or so was the financial analysis work. Mm-hmm. And then after the MBA did business valuation okay. for buy sell agreements and litigation support and divorce things. So I did that for about another 10 years. And then I wanted to transition from this theoretical concept of value to real money and real world things. And then I got into portfolio management in 2002. Okay. When you say a theoretical concept, what what do you mean by those differences? Flesh that out a little bit more. We would provide a hypothetical value, so what we thought a um, subsidiary or a company okay. or a business was mm-hmm. worth, but you never could really tell unless there was a real transaction. Sure. So you would do market comparables to companies that were like the one you were studying, mm-hmm. but you never really knew what the company you were valuing was really worth. Whereas in the stock market, you know every second. Right. So you wanted more like uh, feasible, tangible, tangible numbers sure. to work with. Exactly right. Was there something specific about portfolio management versus? Um, not really sure any other ways you can um, get into like tangible numbers. But was there something specific about that that drew you to I it? I just knew the real world aspects of the stock mm-hmm. market is what I was looking for, and I knew that was real world. So I thought it'd be a good fit with my background, the MBA. Yeah good amount of experience in my personal interest. 
All right. So what sort of things are you doing as like portfolio manager? <laughs> so I'm the key person on the relationship between our investment committee and our chief investment officer and what mm-hmm. the client's looking for in terms of trying to achieve their goals, whether it's income generation or having their net worth grow or providing for college or retirement or trip around the world. Mm-hmm. I'm the middleman between what our brains of the organization think what the client needs and wants. Mm-hmm. And I'm that conduit, that middleman. I mean, you're pretty involved in a big aspect of people's lives when you're handling all of this. So what is that like managing um, you know, client expectations with what can actually happen with their portfolios? Very important to educate people about what can happen yeah. because people <laughs> want markets to go up all the time. Right. They want their income to grow all the time. Mm-hmm. And you have to explain to them that markets can be and have been and will continue to be volatile. Right. So if you have a plan in place, that's going to be very helpful. And then if you have that plan that incorporates those ideas mm-hmm. of both what could happen in the market, how we've recovered from past disasters. So right. the disaster of the day is not going to be the end of the world. So just trying to balance what, what has happened in the past, my knowledge of how markets can and will behave and a client's behavior, trying to bridge that gap. Right. So speaking of disasters, you were doing portfolio management in 2008. Correct. And so um, what was, like, how did you handle that? Those were a lot of gut-wrenching days, literally (laughs) stomach-turning, churning, nauseous. uh, Never really got physically sick, but came pretty close a few times. Yeah, I can imagine. uh, With the huge multi-hundred-point drops in the Dow Jones Industrial Average and Lehman Brothers that whole default and I mean there were days when I was on the phone from the second guy I got in to the second I got off to telling people of our perspective of there have been recessions before there have been depressions before mm-hmm. there have been world wars to, before so don't sell into this panic mentality you know ideally you, you we've prepared you for this you may not be emotionally prepared for it <laughs> sure. but that's the discipline that we bring so mm-hmm. the overwhelming majority of the cases I was able to talk people away from the quote-unquote ledge of selling everything. Um, there are a few cases that people just couldn't stomach that volatility anymore. They did sell into that panic, and they got hurt pretty substantially. Yeah. Um, so is there, was there any um, lessons that you learned during that time that you still carry with you today? Definitely be prepared Yeah. Um, in terms of what you're going to talk to clients about for this important call, whatever day market condition is, so be mm-hmm. prepared. And then ideally prepare them in advance let them know we've been through terrible things before. We've been through impeachments and assassinations and world wars. And mm-hmm. uh, if you've got a long-term time horizon, then hopefully your portfolio is structured for that. And if those type of things cause too much problem, then your portfolio should reflect that and you should have less risk in your portfolio. So really important to be prepared and to know your client, what they can tolerate. What they say they can tolerate, what they really can <laughs> are often two different things. Yeah, it sounds like there's a lot of variance between from client to client. You really have to manage um, not only expectations, but what they want um, to see as well. Exactly. So I've seen that from your history, you've been with Bank One, LaSalle Bank, U.S. Trust, and the Trust Company of Illinois before you were at Vester Capital. So those are all pretty big, well-known names um, in Chicago. And so what made you move to uh, Vester Capital, which seems to be um, you know, still managing uh, huge portfolios, doing a lot of great work, but a lesser-known name in the area. Right. I like the small company aspect where my input makes a big impact on the decision of mm-hmm. what's going on at the company, and I get to know the people there pretty intimately, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to being just a number on a page from a 
corporate headquarters in New York City or Charlotte or wherever mm-hmm. that they say we're cutting 10%, don't care who or what the people are, just get rid of them. Sure. Um, I like the smaller environment, the smaller uh, workplace, the more direct relationships with people, with decision makers, and being able to provide my own input and see how that those mm-hmm. ideas work too. Yeah, does this give you more input in the uh, specific clients you're working with or just more input within the company in general? I'd say both. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty open environment. I've got an excellent relationship with my boss, so it's open-door policy. They're willing to accept new ideas about company things, stock ideas, investment ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, li- I like the small environment a lot better. Yeah. Um, is there anything that has surprised you about being in uh, wealth management since you got into this field? Sometimes some people's behavior, when you think that they have an understanding of the market and you think you've done a good job mm-hmm. in terms of educating them, and then there might be a minor blip or something might go a little bit unplanned, and then, the, in my perception, the overweighted reaction mm-hmm. to what has happened. Some, yeah. th- those have been surprising, yeah. but not too many, right. fortunately. Yeah, there's no accounting for uh, people's personality. <laughs> Sometimes only so right. much you can learn in school. Because I would imagine that... Um, this is something that they sort of teach you every aspect of your job before you really get into it. It's not like there's some aspect of your day that you had no idea you'd be doing this when you were getting your MBA or anything like that. Oh, it's a lot different than really? the MBA program for sure, yeah. And I think it's just through experience. So mm-hmm. the MBA program was a lot of theoretical learning about sure. things like the dividend discount model and mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of trying to pick stocks that way. And I don't think too many people use many of those theoretical tools. I think there's more of a kind of a combination of art and science and the school part might have been more on the science side sure. of it. Um, and then is there any aspect that you are looking at when you're doing the portfolio management that would be surprising to um, clients or future clients that's something that's really important to your work? So what sort of things are you um, are you looking at when you get a new client? What sort of things are you set are you asking them about? Okay. What They've worked their whole life or a big portion of their life to achieve a certain level mm-hmm. of success financially. What was the point of all that? Why did they do that, and what are they trying to achieve? Are they trying mm-hmm. to fund college educations for their children? Are they closer to the end of their career and they want to retire? Do they want to have charitable gifts made mm-hmm. during their lifetime at their passing? Do they want to take a trip around the world? So what's important to them? Get an understanding of that first and then say, okay, if those are your goals, here are the building blocks to get there. Mm-hmm. So kind of take a look at a more well-rounded picture first and then get into the details after that. I think some firms might get just jump right into the details and say, you should be in these 40 stocks, seven funds, and we're going to do this before they even get it, take the time to actually know the person, what they're trying to achieve, how they reacted in 2008, 2009, right. when markets were really bad. Mm-hmm. So I think all those components are important to learn up front as opposed to the next market decline. Yeah. And when you are meeting with your clients, do you find that they already have these goals in mind or is that um, surprising to them that that's something that you would be interested in? I'd say a fair number don't have a good handle on what those Mm -hmm. goals are. Some of them do, but a fair number don't. And sometimes I remember one instance in particular, we were talking to a prominent person and would bring up retirement. They were a few years from retirement and they would get mad because they didn't want to even talk about (laughs) retirement. 
Well, then they got into semi-retirement and thought, wow, this is kind of hard, and maybe I should have put a little <laughs> bit more thought into what's going to happen in the next stage of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel uh, things like... Things change a lot when people retire. Yeah, people don't realize what a big change retirement exactly. can be or right. how much they need to save for retirement right. or Both what they want to the do in retirement. Exactly, exactly right. The financial aspects and what they do with their time. Two yeah. very important things that are generally a lot of people are unprepared for. Yeah, we had someone in here a few months ago and suggested that I need to start thinking about retirement. And I was like, I can't. <laughs> How about saving but, for it? Are you at least well, saving for it? Uh, we're, we're thinking about <laughs> it. I'm going to get through school first and okay. then I'll work on it. All right. But um, yeah, it's a really huge investment that you know people need to start thinking about a lot earlier than right, they are. Right, but the thing is you don't have to make a huge investment in terms of money because the right. earlier you put it in, you'll be astounded how much of a difference that will make as that grows over time, over 20, 30, 40 years, even starting with small amounts. The earlier you start, the much better. It's astounding the power of compounding and how much better off you'll be, even if you start with just a little bit. So are there any current trends that um, you are monitoring specifically when you're looking at all these portfolios? Current trends, we keep up with the news, of course. So Mm -hmm. right now it's the situation with the tariff wars and what's going on with China and interest rates. Uh, but there's always something, there's always some crisis du jour or, or big political thing or upcoming elections or recessions, those mm-hmm. type of things. So I think, again, kind of stepping back, two things that we try and focus on are trust mm-hmm. and discipline. There's a reason that we're sitting across the table from one another. Somebody you trusted suggested that we meet. So mm-hmm. let's make sure that we have a good understanding of trust and that we can work well together. And then discipline. Uh, that's the non-emotional benefit that we provide. We recognize it's your money, but we've got the discipline, professional discipline to say, don't sell into a market panic. Don't sell into the Great Recession. Mm-hmm. Let's structure things accordingly ahead of time. Provide that discipline so when things are rough, we're not panicking too. Yeah, I've heard you either mention or get close to mentioning a few times that there's sort of always a crisis. So it sounds like as long as you... Concern. Let's so call it, let's call it sure. a concern. <laughs> if you look at the media, there's always a crisis. Exactly, but, right. Um, yeah, it's definitely not... It doesn't have to be blown out of proportion right. as long as you have been paying attention the whole time. And, and structure things accordingly doing. ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So when it's, whether it's a concern or rises to the level of a crisis, mm-hmm. that you're prepared financially and mentally. Right. So I want to jump back in to you wanted to see something besides Chicago. That's why you left right. for Colorado. Um, was there something specific that drew you back to Chicago after you'd left? I was away for four years, and I was mm-hmm. ready to come back again. Actually, I had a job in Atlanta, Georgia, right out of school. Okay. Um, so I went from Denver, where I didn't know anybody when I first got there, to building up a good group of friends, then mm-hmm. going out to Georgia, where I knew next to nobody. And I had a boss who had quit the company twice and talked about quitting every single day. Oh. So it wasn't it's a, a great... interesting work environment yeah, exactly. for your first job. Yeah, I wouldn't even give it the benefit of interesting. It was a <laughs> pretty nasty work yeah. environment. So I just lasted a short period of time there and then tried to find something else in Atlanta. I'm like, I hardly know anybody here. I don't like it here at all. I'm going to go home. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad I did it. Uh, it was, you know, perspective expanding. and yeah. um, But I'm glad that I came home. And then subsequently went out to California for a few years. Again, I had my fill of that and came back and very happy to be back in Chicago. Yeah. Do you think that sort of throwing yourself into those environments where you didn't know anybody um, – were you able to like learn useful skills that for you know meeting new clients? And Absolutely, things like that? right. Yeah. Without a doubt, social skills improved mm-hmm. dramatically. Remember the first party I went to at school, I went with my roommate, 
he disappeared within the first 60 seconds and I was in a room full of total <laughs> strangers. So that's a good, literally throwing yourself into the pool and finding out, uh, you know, got to introduce yourself. Pretty close to some like networking events. I don't know anybody here, but I just got to go talk to these people. Exactly. You've been living in Chicago for most of your life. Then right. what's your favorite part about living in Chicago? I just think there's so many things to do here. It's mm-hmm. just amazing from South to North, East to West. Um, you know, lakefront activities, park activities, sports teams, theater, movies. I mean, any mm-hmm. type of cultural event you'd want to do, you can do right here. Um, and I also uh, appreciate the four seasons. I remember living in California where it's nearly perfect all the time, but mm-hmm. kind of get used to that and spoiled by that. And I like to change the season, so I'm grateful to be back for that too. I feel like dealing with these large portfolios, you might get some insight into like secret cultural gems that are happening in Chicago. Has that ever happened to you? No, I don't get those. Really? Uh, we try and provide a few of those. <laughs> sure. We just had a riverboat cruise uh, during an evening and rented out a whole boat and had a very nice, went out to the lakefront for that. And we've had parties at Ravinia and the Adler Planetarium. So we actually try and provide some yeah. of those gems. Show people uh, there's more to life outside of your right, <laughs> portfolio. Right, not, not just the money. Scene. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, Adler Planetarium's a good one. Um, so if someone was looking to get into either wealth management or some other aspect of um, financial field, uh, I usually ask like a younger person getting started, what is some advice that you would give to them? Well, just some general job advice. Uh, I'd be very well prepared for the interview. I would try and mm-hmm. find out as much as possible about the company and then also as much as possible about the person. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of the, the interviewer, interviewee themselves, present a good professional image, shine shoes, um, you know, good clothing, press clothes, firm handshake. Um, it's shocking how casually some people come to interviews and are not prepared. Oh, and, really? Um, <laughs> don't follow up with a thank you or don't follow up with a handwritten thank you. I think that can distinguish people. So I think those little things mean a lot. And if you can make a personal connection with a person, the interviewer, mm-hmm. I think that would go a long way too. Yeah, I think people often forget when they're dealing with um, financial things or looking at a lot of papers how um, important the personal interaction is. Because not only are you dealing with clients, but you do have to, you know, talk to people every day in your right. job as well. Right. One other thing I would add is that uh, interviewers are they're looking to screen people out, so they're actively looking for a reason to get rid of you, not right. you per- <laughs> specifically, but to get rid of and wor- narrow down the field. So don't give them that bullet. Yeah. If present a good image, mm-hmm. follow through, do the personal things, do the small things, and that you'll be able to distinguish yourself from the overwhelming majority of your competition. Yeah. In every interview that I do, I ask people advice for people, and they've never mentioned the fact that you know interviewers are looking to screen people out, and I think that's a really important fact to remember right. when you're interviewing. Yep. Um, yeah, so that about wraps up everything that I wanted to cover today. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Uh, I think we've covered it. Uh, be well prepared for your mm-hmm. portfolios. Be well prepared for job interviews. <laughs> um, I wouldn't focus on products so much. If you're looking to hire a wealth advisor, I'd look to focus on trust, mm-hmm. what you're trying to achieve, and will that company have the discipline to help you achieve that? All right, great. Tom, thank you again so much for staying with us today. Thanks, Savannah. I enjoyed it. Thanks. for listening to this episode of Bridging Chicago as produced by the SATC Solution Center. 
As always, feel free to reach out to us on social media with your comments and suggestions. You can email us at solutioncenter at satcltd.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram, where our handle is at BridgingChicago. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to this podcast. Nothing contained in this podcast shall constitute financial, investment, legal, and or professional advice. No professional relationship of any kind is created between you and the podcast host or guests. You are urged to speak with your financial, investment, or legal advisors before making any investment or legal decisions. Furthermore, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of the SATC Solutions Center, Shank Annis Tepper Campbell, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the host and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts under certain conditions and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including but not limited to, or use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceeding.